Leanne from the Alberta Motorcycle Safety Society and welcome to Think Bike, a podcast about all things motorcycle and the voice of motorcycle safety and awareness in Alberta. We like to talk about everything motorcycle related and bring you great guests to share their stories. So thank you for tuning in. On today's episode, this is a special one for me because I get to introduce you all to my very best friend, Gina Olson, who lives in Montana. Welcome to the show. Well, thank you. I mean, anybody who's on my Facebook or anybody that talks to me around here, somehow you always come up and it's usually Nelson related, self flats related, just generally I'm going to Montana again related. And I'm like, why wouldn't I? That's my family. I'm going to pop down there. So I'm happy to have you here because we've talked about this for, for a bit now. Um, Neil did a podcast with us last year about the salt flats. And then I was thinking we should do a podcast together. Um, and I titled it why training matters. And there's a reason for that. So let's get into this 2018. So this, this is more to all the listeners. This isn't a question answer type of uh, podcast. Gina and I have a story to tell. <laughs> so 20, yes, 2018, I went down to Missoula in June for what we, an event we affectionately called the, the piss up, or um, in this case, we renamed it the scramble. And I did my very first trail riding experience on a little TU-250 Suzuki motorcycle that they threw me on. And it was an amazing day for the most part. So before we get into this whole story, though, Gina, I want to know from you, how long have you been riding and what got you into it? Um, I have been riding for probably about 30 years now. And, uh, what got me into it, bad boys. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Explain that. (laughs) Uh, I love, I loved bad boys, bad boys on motorcycles. Uh, that's my, my kryptonite. (laughs) I love it. That when you, and when you can't expect to have a suitable man with a motorcycle, you've got to get your own. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Did you do any training? Did you do any training? I did. I did. I took motorcycle safety. And the one in Montana, you didn't need to necessarily have any experience at all. And I had lots of experience on the back, but... Um, none actually riding. And, uh, my friend, uh, uh, ran the class and I called him and told him, and he says, come over right away. And we spent an hour learning how to clutch. And then I did the class. Awesome. And, uh, that was it. And you learned a lot. I learned a lot. Yeah. And, and, um, you know, I belonged to the cult of Harley Davidson at that time. So, uh, so, I, yeah, I got beat up by a bike a lot. <laughs> <laughs> and now we belong to the call to triumph. <laughs> yes. It's a little less misogynistic. <laughs> You're going to get hate mail over that one. 
I'll just send it down to you and that'll be perfectly fine. (laughs) Um, All right. So let's get into 2018 and this uh, first little off-road adventure that, that we went on that I, well, that my first off-road adventure, you've done this a couple of times in the foothills around Missoula. I mean, what bike were you riding? I can't remember. Cause I, I chose the, the Suzuki, which is, I know the one you wanted to be on. Well, that was my regular rider and yeah. we put you on that one on purpose. And I, 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 sorry, I don't know the model. I was riding this little Honda and, um, that should have been perfect for that, but it was a struggle for me. So we went up into the hills and I mean, I remember Neil saying, no, no, today's ride's the easy one. And then after it all, he's like, yeah, that was the hard ride. And I'm like, well, okay, if that's the hard ride, it wasn't so bad because I was having a blast and until specific moments. But I remember coming down off the hill before we even hit the pavement and you had an incident at one point when we were still on the trails, what happened on that one? Oh, I was going too fast and I, I didn't quite anticipate the sharpness of that, that corner. And, um, I was, and I just kind of went, Oh, just kind of fell over really. But, you know, and it was, it was deep dirt. It was dry. So I, it wasn't, it was just dusty. Yeah. I, I know you just, it was like, pick you up, dust you off, put you back on the bike and let's go home. Yeah. And, and that should have been a clue at that point that, that, uh, as bad as I wanted to get off that mountain, I didn't swear, uh, <laughs> <laughs> that I should have slowed down, but, but I, my, my desire to get home was too great. I was just like it, that day had been too long. It'd just been enough. Well, we had other people that were kind of fallen over as well. And it was kind of holding everybody up. And that's the fun of off-road riding is when you go in a group that big, you're going to have different levels of experience and we all kind of wait at certain parts. And sometimes we were waiting a little bit longer and it did make the day long yeah I yeah mean, for- and we had taken a detour that i i in retrospect we shouldn't have done that 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 was um it made the day longer for everybody and for a few people um it was over their head it was probably over my head although i was off in that part we were done with that when when things went lopsided so <laughs> lopsided <laughs> yeah i remember we were sitting at the bottom of that one part and we were waiting and i think one of our friends fell down three times just on that one little stretch yeah yeah he and and it wasn't it was like fall over you know he couldn't get his balance and he fell over and we'd pick him back up and he'd go a few feet and he'd do it all over again. It it was just, you know, trying to get past certain obstacles was difficult for, for some people. 
Yeah, exactly. And then we got off the mountain and for some reason, the boys put you and I up in the one-two position to go home. Yeah. I mean, was that a smart decision or a bad decision based on what we're going to talk about? Oh, gosh, I don't know. (laughs) You know, in some ways it was a smart decision because people were there right away. No one had to, I mean, that, to look behind like where where are they you know um and i knew the way home well and that's the thing like you and i we've ridden together just doing girls trips up to locks lodge in idaho and stuff just the two of us so i mean us being up front i didn't care about what was going on behind us i was just following my my bestie back home because i didn't know where we were going i had no idea what road we were yeah. on but and and that's also what, like, you know, when you're doing um, uh, training for, I guess this would be included, but, but like road racing, they're like, what is behind you doesn't matter. You know, you have to pay attention to what's in front of you and what's beside you. And, and so that was corrupt. We, we didn't, we didn't don't worry about what's behind you. They're going to catch up. Well, and I mean, that's the thing about group riding is you don't always necessarily have to stay together, but you do need to know where your stop points are and your end points and people ride to their different levels. And you and I talk about that all the time when we're out places like Nelson or whatever it's, you ride your own ride and you end up where you end up. And I mean, let's face it, all the boys were behind us and they can take care of themselves. Yeah. (laughs) However, it was actually a good thing that they were based on, I can't remember. Okay. So now we got to do miles per hour. I think that corner said 25 miles per hour that our little oopsie happened at. Yeah, it, it's, uh, it might've, it might've been 20 even. I can't remember. It was a sharp left. Yes. It was like a 90 degree. Yeah. And uh, what were you thinking going into that corner? (laughs) uh, Unfortunately, with that corner, you aren't you aren't really aware of how sharp it is until you're like in it. And and, you know, you see the sign and you're like, yeah, yeah, right. (laughs) Because, you know, they just tell you the signs are just showing you, yes, you have curves ahead. They don't really tell you exactly how sharp or how sweeping they are, you know? And, and so I, I got in it and it was kind of like, dang, I've got to slow down really fast. And, uh, you know, that was the other problem with, it was a bike that I really did not ride. And, um, so it was awkward and it had a tiny little brake pedal and I'm not certain I might have missed it. I don't remember and, seeing brake lights if that helps. Yeah. Well that I, I probably missed it. I probably was stomping everywhere, but that, and uh, you know, when that happens, your instinct is to then grab the handbrake, which you know, it was really a bad idea. And, uh, um, and it flipped me. 
And then what what people would maybe like to know is as I'm coming up behind my best friend, (laughs) there she goes rolling across the road in front of me, which is never a sight you want to see. And I am actually grateful that I was on that little Suzuki TU250X because I was, uh, unlike you, I didn't come into that corner hot because for some reason, when I see low speeds, I slow down and, um, and that might be, might've been instinct. I don't know. I don't know why things worked out the way they did, but I didn't run over you as you rolled in front of me. And I was able to come to a stop on the side of the road uh, without panicking, get the kickstand down, shut the bike off and run back to you in the ditch. Yeah. Which was an amazing um, reunion for us. (laughs) (laughs) I can't remember what you said to me. But I know I said to you that I gave you, like, I said, are are you okay? And I just sat behind you and you leaned back and I'm like, I think so. I hurt in a couple places. You grabbed me and you pulled me back and you, because I was attempting to get up at that point. I, I remember that I bounced, I rolled and I slid and I had this moment of thinking, because I realized that the bike was sliding too. And like, geez, I hope that stays over there. And, and, and then you just kind of come to a stop and uh, I'm like, I need to get up. And then, and I was in that process and then you grabbed me and pulled me back and, and actually the support of you leaning back against you, I felt good. Aww. So it was like, I'll just stay here. <laughs> So as we sat there waiting for the the guys to all pull up and be all panicked about whatever I said to you, I gave you a 10 out of 10 for your dismount and tuck and roll across the road. (laughs) It wasn't planned. I was, it wasn't gymnastics at all. It was just whatever happened. (laughs) So Let's get into what we learned from that day. And and I'll start because you have a lot more lessons on your side that you learned from that day, whether it be gear or or being cautious about what your body's telling you or, or whatever. My biggest thing that I learned from that day was I attribute the training that I received way back when to not panic in panic situations because had I panicked, with what I was watching happen in front of me, that could have been made even 10 times worse than, than it was. And I think we were lucky with how we came out of the whole situation, but I credit my training through and through on that for as tired as I was, as excited as I was to get back to the house and get off the bikes too, um, staying sane minded and, and not further enhancing that situation. What did you, what are your takeaways from that? What did you learn? Well, I, I, uh, was wearing gear. I had, uh, Kevlar jeans on with pads on my knees and, uh, same thing. I had a coat, a very, a light coat and I had a full face helmet and I had, uh, gloves that had armor in the knuckles and, uh, I, my, I'm definitely an at-gat girl after that. 
which, you know, all the gear all the time. And um, certainly on, on like your hands, you know, if you can wear them. I, I mean, any, any um, leather gloves is going to, you know, technically be enough, but having some little bit of armor over the knuckles really, I think, makes a difference. And um, certainly on your knees, I, I injured my knee pretty good, um, and um, uh, which I, I still have kind of nerve damage. I still have, like, numb spots and, and uh, electric shocks, you know, going down my shins all these years later. But I think that it would have been so much worse if I hadn't had anything on at all. Um, and, you know, even a jacket. And it was, I don't, it's a, a Triumph jacket and it has armor in the shoulders and the elbows. Um, but I don't think that it's, um, uh, what is that material? Kevlar. I don't think it's a Kevlar jacket. I think it's just their standard. And it just has a little fray marks, you know, like on the, the, cuff uh it it doesn't look like it's had any serious impact or anything so you know you don't need to have super heavy material but you know just wearing a denim is going to make such a huge difference um and 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 if anything i would say a full face helmet well you ended up Um, with scratches on your helmet didn't you I did right across my, what would be my left eye, which, um, was, a, a little sobering, you know? So that's kind of where I, I feel like, uh, you know, a full face helmet, even if it's hot, you know, do it. That jacket, we have the same one. Um, yes. it's not a standardized riding jacket. It probably, if we were going faster and you slid on it, it probably would have shredded, but I think it was the armor that is put into it for like, you know, that slower, lighter riding. Um, that is definitely, and you, you've rolled more than slid, which <laughs> also, also helps. What else did, what did you learn about like where you were, mentally at that point in the day? You know, I was really tired. And I, I, like I had said, I wanted off that damn mountain. Which that's actually not my choice swear words. Um, And I wanted off so bad. It's just like, I go fast. Let's get home. I've had enough. And, and, um, that would be the one thing it's like you need when you're feeling that you need to like take a minute and just like, no, we're going to slow down and not, you're going to get there. And, um, just take that moment to kind of get your, your peace back because you make mistakes when, when you're tired and, and you're hot and, and exhausted. And not focused. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And then we had uh, all the boys roll up. And thankfully, we had somebody in a side-by-side that day. um, Because you were in no condition to get back on that bike for two reasons. One, you, like you said, you had injured your knee 
pretty good. Um, and uh, the handlebars were crooked. On, on well, the, the handle, yeah, the handlebars. Well, this is the funny part: is the handlebars were a little crooked, but um, the the bike was still rideable. And so we, our friend Frog, who is a way more experienced rider than me, um, rode at home. Uh, which I find kind of amazing. I also thought I had broken my hand at that point. I, what hurt most was my hand. And so I, I, yeah, I wasn't in a condition to ride, but I have to tell you that that ride home in the side-by-side -side was the most terrifying part of the whole damn trip. <laughs> Why so? Because they're, they, they're like, they're kind of top heavy. They kind of sway and you're going through really tight corners and, and, uh, it, it feels like it's going to, uh, roll on you. <laughs> and, and you needed, <laughs> you needed that to happen again. <laughs> yeah. It's just like, dang, we don't need to get home that bad. <laughs> I mean, I think another thing that people might wonder why, well, a, we wanted off the, I'll, I'll, the F word mountain, um, and get home. Um, the other part of it is this was an event that we have a lot of our friends and family come out to, and we needed to get back and get dinner going as well. So Gina so conveniently racked and rolled in front of me just to get out of cooking dinner that night, <laughs> <laughs> which was okay. Well, I still had to get up and do a few things, but yeah, but it was nice to like, no, you sit down and we'll take care of this. Well, and thankfully we also had a couple of uh, military EMT people that were with us that kind of gave you a, a look over and decided whether or not we needed to go to the hospital, which as everyone knows in the U S is very, very different than Canadian healthcare. Um, and the decision was made to ice you and let you rest and just scream out where things are when we're asking where they are in your kitchen. <laughs> yeah. And, and, you know, the rest of us ladies there kind of just stepped up and, and, uh, picked up the pieces. Is that one of, um, you know, in hindsight, of course, we would have kind of backed off a bit and realized that we were all hot and tired and, and getting cranky because it was a long day. Is there any other um, quick hard lessons learned that you've learned over the years in your experience riding? Any other tips that you might have for people that might want to think twice? Well, I, the one thing, that, you know, about that day also is that, you know, I was not comfortable with that bike. Um, it, it was a struggle all day long. It, it was slightly tall. I, I was having trouble starting it. And then shifting and all of that was fine, but it had this really tiny, like I said, little brake pedal, and it was easy to miss. And, and I guess that's the other part is if you're not really acquainted with your motorcycle, you should be a bit more cautious, not just hop on it and go. Not meaning that you shouldn't, because I know that people rent bikes and stuff, and so they've never ridden before, but, but you know, 
don't don't go on on a seventy five mile trip. Like ease into it, maybe. Yeah, yeah. Learn learn the bike a little bit. Yeah. I mean, I can't remember what it was about that bike that made me so incredibly uncomfortable to ride it that that it became on purpose. I was put on the TU two fifty X. But there was something about it for me that was that I was like, I don't, I don't think I can ride that comfortably. And so yeah. I get that. So now I feel responsible for you crashing on a bike. You didn't want to ride. Cause I was on your ride. <laughs> no, that's, that's just what it is. You know? <laughs> oh, good Lord. Well, I mean, we've known each other a long time and we've had a lot of adventures. I would prefer not to have one like that again. If I would agree to that. Yeah, I think so. We'll, we'll, we'll stay on the shiny side up as they say, um, going forward, hopefully knock on woods. And I, I, I had a Facebook memory pop up a, a few weeks ago that we had at least been Facebook friends for 10 years. And it came up yep. with all these amazing pictures that are all motorcycle related. Oh, and yeah. I cannot wait for even more adventures and maybe we'll come back on the podcast again and talk about some other fun things that don't involve hard lessons learned someday. Uh, that would be wonderful, you know, <laughs> cause there's been, you know, several times we've gone up to Lockside, just the two of us that have been great, you yeah. know, the techniques and the skills and the pace that we set with each other that, might um, inspire more women to get out and do, you know, those more technical rides on their own as well. It might be something we can do as well. But I want to thank you for taking time for me. I am like you always do. And uh, I can't wait for my next trip to Montana. <laughs> Yay. It's just in a few weeks, I think. That would yeah. be awesome. Yep. Well, I'm down like three or four times a year, so I should just, well, I have a bedroom. It's all good. Anyway, enough of that personal stuff for everybody else. <laughs> let's, uh, let's get out of here and, um, I will see you soon. Thanks my friend. You're welcome. Anytime. On this week's mailbag, we got a question from Terry in Calgary asking, how long can you leave untreated gas in your tank? And uh, I reached out to our dear friend, Spencer Bevan over at Riverside Honda and Skidoo to get like a credible answer for this rather than my own opinion. Um, and what he gave me very much matches kind of what my opinion is. It varies. And as he says, it varies pretty wildly. It depends largely on what the ethanol content of fuel is, since that's the component that breaks down and gums stuff up. So he says, as a rule of thumb, you wouldn't want to leave untreated gas longer than a couple of months at most. Shell V power used to be used to be a 0% ethanol, so you could leave it over a winter, but even in their premium now, it does contain some ethanol. So all gas stations now apparently do have a little bit of ethanol in their gas. There are some other companies that have have or had no ethanol in their premium, but it's less and less common. Smaller machines, especially carbureted ones, are more susceptible to gas fouling since they have smaller passages in their fuel system, which can gum up quicker. 
These are all generalities, of course, and there is a wide variety of age versus quality of fuel at different gas stations. So it's hard to set hard rules on this, but that's the gist of it. So basically, at the end of the day, if you feel like you need to leave a machine sitting for at least two months, go get some fuel. Sorry, go get some fuel stabilizer. It is your friend and leave it in your tank until you run again. It's not going to hurt it if it's only for a couple months. I fuel stabilize every winter when I winterize my bikes. I have never had a problem with anything. So fuel stabilizer for the win if you're storing for more than two months and especially carbureted. And that is our show for today. To make sure that you don't miss out on any of our upcoming podcasts or to listen to previous ones, make sure you click on subscribe or follow wherever you get yours. If there's a topic you'd like us to cover or a guest you would think would be great on the show or a question for the mailbag, let us know. You can connect with us through all the socials, email us at info at ab-amss.org or reach out through the website at ab-amss.org. Always remember to ride smart, ride safe and think bike. We'll see you out on the road.